Welcome to episode 43 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Angel Sag. So let's get started with my first topic. Today, I participated in a Nokia Capital Markets Day. It started at 7 a.m. my time, so I needed lots of coffee, but, um, but it was great to tune in. Uh, their CEO spoke to a number of things, and they had um, the heads of each of their business units speak to a number of topics as well. You know, from my perspective, I thought uh, Pekka, their CEO, did a great job in articulating their strengths in fixed wireless access, optical, private wireless, and open RAN. Um, I also liked uh, what he uh, focused on with respect to um, aligning uh, customer and partner to um, focus on best of breed solutions versus end to end. So historically, Nokia's focused on um, soup to nuts. And honestly, that's not the way a lot of operators purchase infrastructure. They typically leverage multiple vendors and suppliers for not only um, continuity of supply, but also from a cost perspective. So um, I think this is a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a divergent uh, strategy for them. But under his leadership, um, I think it's the right thing to do. And then, you know, finally, I like the way that he summarized um, his uh, strategic plan, which was reset, accelerate, and scale. And, you know, it's no, it's no secret that uh, the company did announce a pretty major reduction in force. Um, I was contacted by Matt Kempko from SDX Central this week uh, to get my insight on that. And really, um, it, it's, it's, it's just a natural progression given where the company needs to retrench and invest in things that they're very strong in, such as private networking and open RAN. So, and there was also an announcement that came out today between AT&T and Nokia on C-band. So I thought I might toss it to you, Angela, and let you uh, take our listeners and viewers through that. Yeah, so Nokia uh, signed a deal with AT&T. It's a five-year deal uh, for Nokia to supply, supply equipment to AT&T specifically for, fi for the use in the C-band spectrum. Um, and it'll be use, utilizing Nokia's massive MIMO antenna solutions, their macro remote radio heads, and their next generation air scale baseband equipment. So uh, it's a good deal for Nokia because I think they've needed to get big wins like this. Sure. I think for AT&T, it's going to be a big opportunity to scale out its C-band uh, network and its band. And I think they're not going to be the only ones. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more C-band deployments using Nokia. Right. So we'll see, we'll see what happens in the long term, but things may start to change uh, for Nokia when it comes to the big, big three in the U.S. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, what's the timing on, on AT&T's deployment there? I believe the first phase will start happening in the latter part of 2021 okay. as the spectrum becomes available. I believe AT&T got 40 megahertz out of the 100 that was in the A block. Right. Uh, Verizon got the 60 hertz of that. So yeah. AT&T will start rolling out 40 megahertz at the end of this year. So they do have a reason to be announcing this deal now in anticipation of the spectrum being available at the end of the year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, well, AT&T is off to the races there. So let's move to your first topic this week. And you want to talk about some new um, mid-price point um, Samsung phones. Yeah, so this week Samsung had uh, yet another unboxed event 
This event was much more targeted on the mid-range and low end of its devices, as opposed to the S-series flagship phones. So everyone's familiar with the, you know, the S21, the Note 20, the, those top-end, you know, fairly expensive phones. But they also have very popular mid-range, which is the mid-range device A-series. Mm -hmm. uh, they've actually came out with these A-series devices last year and kind of really built out a very comprehensive 5G offering. This year, they're kind of refreshing those A-series devices with the new A52 and new A72, but they're also introducing the A52 5G, which is a very affordable, about $400 5G phone with you know triple cameras and all the normal expected high tier device capabilities. And it's using uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon processors rather than uh, no, than using this Samsung Exynos chip. So it's an interesting um, announcement and I think it'll help Samsung grow in the mid tier, which is where a lot of its competitors have been succeeding. Yeah, and obviously these are 5G enabled phones and this is just a proof point to something that we've talked about quite often on um, our podcast that um, Qualcomm is developing a whole line of chipsets and modems that are going to support that entry level, that mid-range and that high-end range, right? Yeah, and also what's interesting is not all of these phones are 5G. So the okay. regular A52 is 4G and the regular A72 is 4G. So not all of these devices are 5G. However, they do have the potential to have 5G models down the road, which I believe they will. And they have all the specs and features you would expect from a top-end phone. It's just they don't have the top-end SOC. They don't have, and they don't all have 5, 5, have 5G. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Cool. Well, let's move to my second topic this week. I want to talk about Airspan Networks. Um, they have a pretty interesting history. So um, they've been around for about 20 years. Um, they were focused on that WiMAX standard, if, if you recall that, Anshul. And um, when that, you know, when... The, basically the room cleared on, on WiMAX, um, they pivoted to developing LTE, um, small cell solutions and the rest is history. And, um, and so this week there were a couple of announcements. One, um, yeah, I don't know if you follow the stock market and these special acquisition, um, special purpose acquisition SPACs, right? So um, there's a SPAC, um, ironically, uh, with the initials NBA, it's not, not professional basketball. Um, it's New Beginnings Acquisition Corporation. And so the news uh, was around the fact that SPAC and Airspan are going to merge and they're going to create a new ticker symbol for the combined company called MIMO. Kind of like that. Pretty clever. And uh, what it's going to do, it's going to allow um, the, the, the new entity to tap into almost $170 million in funding so that they can develop... Um, you know, 5G um, solutions. I mean, Airspan has been, again, very focused on small cell. They partnered with Sprint to develop their Magic Box before the T-Mobile merger. Um, Airspan also acquired Mimosa Networks that provides fixed wireless access solutions for WISPs. And um, the company also has a line of CVRS certified solutions as well to support private networking. So from my perspective, this provides you know, equity to the company. They don't have to go through a traditional IPO process, which is one of the benefits of a SPAC. 
And it, it, again, it gives them this revenue that they can invest in 5G. So I think that puts a lot of momentum, you know, behind the company. They're already well positioned. You know, the other announcement this week uh, was an announcement uh, around OpenRAN with Rakuten, surprise. And, and so Airspan is going to supply um, basically virtualized hardware, software, and uh, blueprint, um, infrastructure blueprints uh, to help extend the capabilities of Rakuten's um, OpenRAN deployment. And so, you know, from my perspective, the company has lots of different, you know, opportunities to really go expand into. And uh, I think Airspan is a company you want to keep your eyes on. Any thoughts? No, I think it's interesting. I, I think MIMO is an interesting ticker for them. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, public via SPAC and merging with another entity makes sense. Uh, we'll see if it's kind of the trend right now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really have that much to, to add on this topic specifically. All right, cool. Well, let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about Huawei and 5G royalties. Yes. So earlier this week, Huawei had an IPR event where they kind of said that they are going to start charging a lot of device makers for the most part uh, royalties on their, their patents, uh, similar to what Ericsson and Nokia and Qualcomm already do. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense in the sense that Huawei is one of the leading companies in the world when it comes to developing new 5G technologies. Yeah. And it makes total sense that they would have a lot of patents in their portfolio related to 5G devices because they want are developing both the network and the devices. And there's probably a lot of things in there that they are, they're the creators of. Uh, right. So I think that them going after these 3000 5G patents that they have and whatever the number is for the standard essential patents, which are called SEPs, yeah. once yeah. they start asking for licensing fees, uh, I have a feeling there are going to be some lawsuits involved because that's just normal how it happens um, and some negotiations that will occur. So we probably won't hear of Huawei's intent to sue any of its uh, non-paying uh, royalty holders until, you know, let's say next year, once they've already had some, you know, negotiations in place and whatever negotiations have fallen apart. You know, I've seen a lot of these patent, you know, negotiations and disputes in the past. So we'll see what happens in terms of who decides to, who decides to license and who decides not to, and who, you know, wants to fight Huawei. Yeah. But Huawei said that they were going to put a two point, $2.50 cap on the licensing fees that they're going to charge for these patents. So yeah. they're not going to be very expensive. And I expect that this may potentially raise the price of devices somewhat because yeah. no one's been paying these yet. Uh, but I think it will be interesting to see how device makers approach this. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I can't fault Huawei for doing this. Um, they invest an incredible amount of their annual revenue back into R&D. I think over the last, their last fiscal year, it was close to 20 billion US dollars. And, you know, on a base of 100 billion in gross revenue. So um, they're certainly up there, you know, with the, the biggest technology companies in the world. And um, yeah, and like you mentioned, they're one of the most prolific patent filers. Not that patent counting is any indication of innovation from my perspective, but you're right, they contribute quite a bit to 5G. 
Um, they contribute quite a bit in the open source community as well. Some might argue the depth of that, but um, certainly, you know, it's it's no surprise to to see this news coming. And to your point, it'll be interesting to see how this really sort of affects the bill of materials moving forward. But we'll we'll keep an eye on it and we'll report back as things develop. But let's move to my third topic and for the week. And I want to talk about um, a low and mid-band spectrum auction that occurred in the United Kingdom. So, uh, and, and it was interesting, the amount of money that was raised, 1.4 billion pounds. Now, I know translated to dollars, um, that gets you into the, the 3 billion, you know, dollar range. But I, I was struck thinking that, you know, we just exited the C-band auction that raised 82 plus billion. Um, Maybe the UK is being a lot more practical and not trying to fill the government coffers. What do you think? Um, I think that they probably have a better relationship with the operators. Yeah. Uh, and they've probably had a discussion about what's fair. And I think that they have probably had this discussion where the operators said, you can charge us what you want, but if you charge us too much, we won't be able to roll up 5G fast enough. So yeah. I think I think they had a much more agreeable stance in terms of this auction. That said, it seems like there was only 200 megahertz of um, spectrum being auctioned. Is that right? It was about 200? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so there wasn't that much spectrum being auctioned off, uh, especially since some of it was in the 3.6 gigahertz band. Um, But in general, it seemed like uh, it was a lot of low band and mid band which is going to be necessary for good 5G coverage. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that a lot of these operators have spectrum and they want to obviously fill whatever gaps they have. And they all kind of just agreed probably that they're not going to run up an $81 billion uh, make bill. It, make it crazy, yeah. Now, there was also news this week. You and I were talking before we, we got started today on um, some mid-band assets that are tied to the global harmonization. Um, standard, right? So you want to give us an overview of that? Yeah. So in October, the FCC is expected to roll out another spectrum auction. They just completed one and we're going to have another one in October. And that one in October is going to be targeted at the 3.45 to 3.55 and of spectrum, which is a big deal because that is essentially in the 3.5 gigahertz harmonized global 5G band. So we can hopefully have devices in the world that will be able to work globally at Mm -hmm. 3.5 gigahertz everywhere in the world. Obviously there's not gonna be the same amount of spectrum in every place. You're not gonna have, you know, necessarily the same speeds everywhere, but the idea of having 3.5 gigahertz as a globally harmonized 5G band is a big deal because it just allows people to travel around the world and have have their devices work on other networks without needing to have every band in the universe supported. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's going to make, you know, that, that experience, that roaming experience that much better, especially for folks like you and I, that once we put COVID hopefully in the rear view mirror by mid year, we'll be back on flights to Europe and, and Asia and all over the place. So cool. Um, So let's roll to your third topic this week. And um, I know you've been doing a lot of writing on Forbes and you've published um, two in a series of the state of 5G. So we'd love to hear, you know, some highlights from from those first two uh, articles you've written on Forbes. 
Yeah, so it's a very long article. There's literally no way I'm going to be able to summarize it. But <laughs> what I will say the is highlights. <laughs> it originally started as a 6,000-word article, and it became two 3,000-word articles. Yeah. Basically, part one, which was already published last week, covers the state of 5G networks, modems, and RF. And then part two, which published this week, covers devices, standards, and what to expect in 2021 and beyond. So I kind of cover mostly a U.S. centric view, um, but there is a little bit of global views on that. No one person can can fully comprehend the entire global 5G um, landscape. It's just not happening. Um, So especially not in a one two parter. Um, So the way I look at it is I kind of look at where we are today, what that means for devices, what kind of what is the state of standards and, you know, what is the six month delay going to mean for the industry? Um, and what are the operators plans for rolling out spectrum and devices and what to expect? And I kind of have really gone in and, and found the most up-to-date information from every operator, every device maker, all the latest devices. The Samsung A series did not make it. The announcement was after publication, couldn't squeeze right. it. But you have it here, go check it out. It's on Forbes, it's a two-parter. Um, and I highly recommend you read it. It's it's a good one. I spent quite a lot of time on it. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I scanned through it. It was, you know, quite comprehensive. It's a great job. Um, you know, and for our listeners and viewers, it's quite easy. If you just Google um, Forbes More Insights and Strategy, you'll find our landing page. You'll find um, a lot of things that I've written on 5G as well as these two articles that, that Angela is, uh, is speaking to as well. So, hey, buddy, another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to reach out to us and provide a special or specific topic about 5G that you would like for us to cover on the podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshul Saad. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week.